What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Kendra Hopkins on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Kendra, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story. All right. Thank you. Um, First, thank you for having me. Um, I've been listening to your podcast for a while and followed you on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. So thank you for doing what you do. Um, making it easy for us to share. <laughs> oh God! Um, well, I couldn't do it without you guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, my story. Uh, my husband and I met um, in 2016, um, and he came with two kids of his own from a previous relationship. And they, at the time that we met, were five. Well, both five actually. <laughs> They're only about 10 months apart. Um, so they were both five. Um, now they're um, seven and eight. So, um, but anyways, and then about a year into us being together, we went to, because I actually am also a Beachbody coach on the side, and we went to um, Beachbody Summit in New Orleans. And um, I'm fairly certain um that that's where we um conceived our baby (laughs) fairly positive but um so we weren't obviously tracking at that point so it was kind of an accident but um and just like a little like tidbit background on me like I grew up um never really sure if I wanted kids I was always an animal person um I've worked with animals my whole life um worked at like this zoo and now I work at like a dog boarding facility and stuff and so I've done animals my whole life I never did kids Um, like I never babysat or um, anything like that I was always the person that house sat and took care of the people's animals I never um, took care of their kids and so so I was never really as I got older I wasn't totally sure if I wanted kids and stuff and so I kind of um, as growing up I was like well you know whoever I marry or whatever, we'll just, you know, if he wants kids, then maybe we'll just kind of see what happens. If he doesn't want kids, then, you know, maybe we'd both just be fine with that. Um, and so when we got, uh, pregnant, um, and this was, so like a year after we met, um, in July of 2017, um, and then we found out in August, um, and so right away for me anyway, it's like I was terrified, not of necessarily of like being pregnant or anything like that, but just of the fact that, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a mom. <laughs> like, I am really going to be a mom. This is terrifying. <laughs> um, and um, the pregnancy was fairly normal. I had a couple weird things that I didn't really think was super weird at the time, but like in hindsight, I kind of wonder if it was a weird thing. Um, <clears throat> Like, throughout my whole pregnancy, I had a decent amount of cramping on and off. Um, And then my other, which I thought was really weird, 
um, is probably in my second trimester on, um, like I was very like pressure sensitive. Like, I don't know how else to describe it, but like where like literally like I couldn't wear jeans or like so anything super tight. Um, because it just was so unbelievably uncomfortable, even to the point where like I'd be laying in bed at night and reading a book and I couldn't even like lay the book on my stomach. It was so like just in that like lower area of my stomach um, where baby would be sitting and stuff. And I just, it was just super uncomfortable. And it kind of dissipated, I guess, as the further along I got, um, but it never really went away. Um, and then, um, at our anatomy scan, um, I think we had ours actually pretty late. It was like 22 weeks or something like that that we had our anatomy scan. Um, and we found out it was a girl. And that's when I, it like became real for me. And I started getting more excited and connected. And um, it was funny because like a week before we found out we we're having a girl, I was talking to a coworker and she was saying how like when she had her daughter, she was like terrified because she was like, I don't know what to do with a girl. Like I always thought I would have a boy. Like I don't do like braids and all the girly things. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, I know me too. But then for some reason, like I had like an inkling like about a week before, because um, I always kind of thought we'd have a boy, but then like a week before um we found out that we were having a girl I was like you know what I think it's a girl and then but I didn't say anything like I didn't say anything to Paul or anything I was just kind of like well just wait and see and yeah we found out that we were having a girl and um and then the kids you know the kids knew Paul's kids knew and all of that and then um at the anatomy scan uh, my doctor had wasn't sure um, that she might have seen like a blood vessel that was close to my cervical opening. I don't know if you've ever heard of um, Vasa Previa, but it is where like um, a major um, fetal blood vessel is close to the opening or um, the umbilical cord is close to the opening. And if like uh, my water broke or something like that, or I know something happened that those vessels could burst and um more than well more than likely the baby wouldn't make it if it burst because it that's like their main blood supply um and so she was really concerned about that and so um we did another ultrasound in a couple of weeks um and they didn't find anything or she wasn't sure again actually that's right um she came back and she wasn't sure what if she was seeing it or not and so we ended up going to um maternal fetal medicine um in february <clears throat> um and then just before um going there <clears throat> paul and i got engaged and stuff so that was fun and then, um, but then, yeah, we did the um, appointment of maternal fetal medicine, and um, uh, it was a big, huge ultrasound. We were there for at least an hour. Um, they did uh, an internal um, ultrasound, and then one on top, um, just the regular ultrasound. And um, we were there for quite a while, and then. And she came back and she confirmed that no, there was no blood vessel. They did not see anything um, and everything looked good. And so, you know, we were all good to go.
And um, so that was a huge relief. Um, and we both left there feeling so much better. And, you know, I called my family and my mom and my dad and let them know that everything was good. And um, so like, um, so yeah, we just kind of went on and no problems and stuff. And then the, literally the very next day, this was like a Thursday in February. I think it was like Thursday, like the ninth or something. I don't know those precise dates, but it was like the ninth. And then the very next day, um, I happened to be off work again. And so, um, I was still working at this point and I was 31 weeks and I was still working, but only a couple of days a week. Um, cause my job is incredibly physical. So it was really hard at that point to do too much working. Um, but, um, so yeah, the very next day after that appointment, um, it, I was, I got up in the morning, got the kids on the bus to school and then went and did some grocery shopping, came home and I was like, man, I am like ridiculously tired. And so I laid down and took a little bit of a nap and woke up like a couple hours later and still was like very, like felt very out of it. Just kind of in that like cloud state of mind if you will and um so I was like well I'll just get in the shower take like a warm shower try to wake up and you know maybe do something productive for the day and um and then I got in the shower <clears throat> and just standing there and then in the water and like with my eyes closed kind of trying to relax and then and then I look down and there's blood everywhere and so I shut the water off and I ran out of the shower. I grabbed my phone, um, called my mom and I was like, what do I do? Like, I mean, I literally, it literally looked like, like I murdered someone in our bathroom. There was so much blood everywhere. <clears throat> and, uh, and so my mom panics and she's like, oh my gosh, call 911, call 911. <clears throat> and so I do, I called 911 and um, the lady told me to, She's like, calm down. It's okay. She asked how far, you know, all the typical questions, you know, how far along are you? And, um, and she's told me to go lay down and go lay down or go unlock the door so that the ambulance people can come in and then lay down on your left side. And then um, they will be there shortly and asked if I needed her to stay on the phone. And I said, no, because my dad had ended up calling me right when I was on the phone and so I was like no I should be okay and so um the funny thing with my parents <clears throat> is like in an emergency um my mom is like a huge well me too a little bit though like a huge panicker but then my dad is like 100% the opposite and so when I when I had called my dad was like oh my gosh Mary what is wrong with you <laughs> like you're supposed to be calming her down not freaking her out more and so he called me he's like okay you know doing the calm dad thing and it's gonna be okay they're gonna come and get you and um, I was like well dad I have to call Paul and let him know and so I called Paul and told him that we were heading to the hospital uh, that was like the longest hospital ride of my life it took it seemed like we were there forever because they didn't turn lights on because they didn't consider it a super huge emergency and so we were just driving like normal speed and I was like oh my gosh I probably could have driven here faster than having to take a ride but 
Um, but yeah, but at that point I was still bleeding a little bit. Um, and my, and Paul, my parents were gone up at our beach property. And so they were a couple hours away. So they hopped in the car and left. Um, and so when I got to the hospital, Paul and my brother, um, were waiting. Um, and I mean, literally like my whole family flocked to the hospital. Um, but so they were waiting, um, took us through the emergency room and up to, um, the maternity ward and stuff. And, um, they did, like, you know, they got me there and I had all kinds of tests and stuff. They did put the um, heart monitor on and we heard her heartbeat. And that was just like the biggest relief. I was like, oh my gosh, thank God. Like she seemed to be fine. She was moving around. She, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had to have one of those heart monitors on or not, but it's kind of one of the coolest things because because um they put it on you but not only can you hear the heartbeat but you can hear hear your baby like flopping around <laughs> yeah you know. yeah like you can hear them moving and you're like what like I can feel that, <laughs> How I can hear that? like that's so weird <laughs> so um and then yeah so they did all and I was I got there and um they did a couple tests and stuff and noticed that I was pretty swollen um like my ankles are pretty swollen my blood pressure was pretty high uh but the super and well I, I find it kind of hilarious just because this is super like me like I have like the smallest bladder and, and ever anyways but by the time I had gotten to the hospital I had to go to the bathroom so bad <laughs> like so so bad and I kept telling them I was like I have to go to the bathroom like I know you I want to get all these tests and all stuff all this stuff done too but like I'm literally going to pee all over this bed if I don't go to the bathroom right now and so finally they let me up and I went to the bathroom but it was like they wanted to do uh, wanted me to take do a sample and stuff but it was literally straight blood like everything that came out was straight blood um but then when I came back to the room after having gone, like my blood pressure started going to going down. Some of the swelling started to go down uh, within like, I don't know, a half hour, 40 minutes of, of that, um, that's everything started to go down. And so I was like, I told you, like, I just had to go to the bathroom that bad that literally everything was like super high. <laughs> um, but I mean, I was still fairly swollen and stuff, but my blood pressure went down. And so they weren't um as concerned about like preeclampsia or they were still had that on their radar but it wasn't as um <clears throat> wasn't the forefront anymore um and so they did a bunch of scans and tests and um and my they had found that my water had not broken yet and they were not sure where the bleeding was coming from um they don't think it was coming from the baby they thought maybe it was coming from me somewhere like higher up in the birth canal um, or higher up in my uterus and stuff, but they could not find anything. And so, um, and that the hospital that I was at, they only see, um, like if I was to have like a premature delivery, they only see babies 34 weeks and older. Um, and so um, we did have the th thought in the back of our mind that we might have to go to a bigger hospital if things um, took another turn. 
but so they did give us um, start the shots for um, her lung development so that if she came early um, that hopefully her lung development would be a little bit better um, and then after a couple of hours I think we were there for like three or four hours um, and then they sent us home and just pretty much not really even on like bed rest so much as just take it easy like don't you know don't work you know that sort of thing obviously but um, just she like I was like well it's just like bed rest and she's like no just take it easy you know don't you know be smart basically like you know don't go lifting weights and like you know don't be dumb about it just use common sense and relax and whatnot and so I was like okay so we went home um and um the next day everything was fine we went um we went and got we had to go back to the hospital the next day and get the second shot for her lung development um and then um and then so that was that all happened on a Friday Saturday we got the shot the second shot and then on Sunday I went out and I talked to went out to my work and talked to my boss and let her know everything that was going on and she was you know amazing and was like yeah no <laughs> you're not working I already took you off your schedule don't even worry about it <laughs> so I was like oh okay <laughs> um, so that was taken care of um, and then Sunday night at about it's probably like midnight or so, maybe not quite midnight yet. Um, I had woken up and I felt the instant gush. I heard other ladies mention that before and I was like, oh crap. <laughs> and so woke up into the bathroom and there was not as much blood as the first time, but still quite a bit of blood. Um, and so, you know, I woke Paul up, we woke the kids up um, and then went to the hospital. Um, and then Paul's mom met us at the hospital to get the kids so that they didn't have to sit there because we had no idea what we we're going to be doing, how long we we're going to be there. And we, at, during this time, we tried, we tried to keep life as normal as possible for the kids. Um, and then, so yeah, we went to the hospital and, um, it happened to be, um, the same doctor that was on call that had seen me on Friday, which was really nice because at least she had seen me before and she knew kind of what had happened. And, um, and so she did another exam or they did the heart, the heart monitor and everything was fine. She had a strong heartbeat, was moving around, um, all that. Um, and she, then she did do um, an internal exam and found that my water had ruptured, uh, but I wasn't in any kind of active labor labor at all like I wasn't having any kind of contractions or anything like that and so then at that point because this hospital does not see um, uh, moms that are earlier than 34 weeks um, we had to have the discussion to transfer me up to um, I'm, I live in Washington so um, we went up to Tacoma General Hospital in um, Tacoma and um, had to have another ambulance ride because <laughs> they wouldn't let me just drive with Paul up there um, and at this point my parents had also come down we didn't call anybody else just my parents because it was in the middle of the night and stuff so <clears throat> um, so then we went up to Tacoma General and um, 
was admitted and the, the plan basically was that we would be admitted until um, uh, 34 weeks and then um, at 34 weeks I would be induced and um, then we would you know have her naturally or whatever so that was kind of the plan once we got there um, um, pretty but so we were just pretty much there being monitored um, every it was like four to six hours I think um, they would do the heart rate monitor and um, all that and they still they still had not figured out where the bleeding was coming from but it had stopped again at that point uh, but yeah they do not know where it was coming from um, but and while I was up in Tacoma my um, care did get switched from my doctor's office to maternal fetal medicine they are the ones that did my initial um, exam to see if I had the base of previa um, so I got to transfer to their care um, since my doctor's office doesn't go up that far and stuff so um, and yeah they just nothing was wrong that they could see or find and um, so we were in the hospital for over over valentine's day um and then on february uh, 15th at like 10 p.m 10 15 p.m ish um and this was this happened to be which i kind of i felt bad for not like for me necessarily but this was the only day or one of the days in the hospital that I was there for about four, four or five days at this point, and it was the first day that like nobody had come to visit me, which was fine. I'm, I like doesn't bother me at all, but it was like the only day that nobody came, and I was like, well, that kind of figures that something would happen. <laughs> the day that nobody decides to come, um, which was fine. Um, and so at like ten, fifteen or so, I was just laying around, and then I felt that big gush again and got up and went to the bathroom and there was blood so I called the nurse in and um, they came in and were trying to find a heartbeat um, and then she couldn't find a heartbeat so another nurse came in tried to find the heartbeat she couldn't find the heartbeat so then an one of the doctors came in and, and I swear there's probably at least like four or five nurses and a couple of doctors in there trying to find her heartbeat. Um, and they couldn't. Um, and so at that point, one of the doctors looks up at me and says, we need to do an emergency C-section and get her out. And I was like, get her out, get her out, get her out. <laughs> I was like, that's all I got. I was like, I don't care what you got to do. You just get her out. <laughs> um, and, uh, so they're wheeling me back to the emergency OR and um, I call Paul really fast and tell him what was happening and that he needed to get there. And, um, and I was like, call my mom, call my dad, you know, let them know. And, um, and so, yeah, he called everybody. And, um, um, and when we were getting wheeled back, one of the ladies asked me what her name was going to be. And, um, and then we hadn't really landed on a name yet. We were kind of going between Rose and Madison. And uh, my 
um, stepdaughter Jocelyn had actually come up with um, the name Rose um, when we were I think just after our anatomy scan and, I, and she was like yeah I really like the name Rose and I was like oh like it's not a name I think I ever would have thought of myself but I was like huh I really like that. <laughs> um, and so when she was wheeling us back, she's like, so what's her name? And I was like, um, um, Rose. <laughs> and so that's um, how we end ended up having her name be Rose. Um, and so she was born um, emergency C-section at like 1035. Um, and uh, Sorry to interrupt today's episode, but we are sponsored by My Vitro. After three miscarriages and two rounds of IVF, Danielle Hall started My Vitro to help other women struggling with infertility. Frustrated with the options available to store her expensive fertility medications, she created the Fertility Caddy to organize all of the needles, vials, injectable pens, and supplies that are necessary for a treatment cycle. Feel prepared and ready to take control when that giant box of drugs shows up on your doorstep. Use code LAM, L-A-M, for 10% off of your order at myvitro.com. And as always, thank you for supporting the sponsors who are supporting our show. Now let's get back to it. Yeah, like I don't really remember a ton of this part. It's all kind of hazy and because um, they put you under, they put me, put me under. Um, so I don't remember a ton. I remember waking up. Uh, being wheeled into recovery and seeing like my whole family. Um, Paul was there and I immediately, or they had taken Rose up to the NICU, um, and which was the floor above us. And um, I told them to go, you know, they said that she, that, that, that he could go see her. So I was like, please go be with her. Um, and so he went up to be with her as much as he could. Um, and then my mom and stuff was down um, in the recovery with me. Um, and yeah, I do. Re- I just remember like being ter- waking up terrified, <laughs> like had no idea what was going on with her and uh, how, like, how is it actually possible that before this happened, like not even, not even four hours earlier, like, I had that heart rate monitor strapped on and for like an hour, you know, cause they put it on and they keep it on for like, like an hour and they record all the little blimps in her heart rate and whatever. And so I'm like, not even like, not even like four or five hours earlier did I hear her heartbeat. How is this possible? Um, but so she was basically born um, with no blood or oxygen in her body um so she was pretty much brain dead um we still we have no answers (laughs) um they have no i no idea what happened um it's it it really does seem like i had that vasa previa but the blood like that vessel that critical vessel was somewhere that they couldn't see or something like it wasn't in that typical cervical opening spot that they get so worried about because it's really the only thing that makes any kind of sense but there is no official diagnosis or answer or anything like that um 
but they were because we um, in Tacoma General Hospital is like an amazing hospital. If we had be, been anywhere else, this probably would not have happened, but they were able to revive her um, with blood and all of that. But um, it was, it <clears throat> did end up, it, was, it would have, it was too late. Um, but so like she um, was in the NICU, hooked up to all the monitors and oxygen and all of that, but she was at that point brain dead and so it didn't really matter what they did um it just wasn't going to fix anything and so um, we did have her in the hospital for 10 days um and she um and i was admitted or i was there after my c-section i was technically a still a patient for i think it was four days after um and after um ap immediately after the c-section they were able to after i was done in my recovery room or whatever they were able to wheel me up to see her and that for a couple of minutes and um and then i went then we went back paul and i went back down to um our room um and I remember work, waking up the next morning because I was still admitted to the hospital, so um, I would not be able to stay in her room. Um, the nice thing about this NICU is they actually do have their own personal rooms, and then they have like little couches that fold out into beds um, and stuff, which is really nice. Um, and so people can stay there and um, whatnot. And so I woke up the next morning, and I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to stay up there until I get released from the hospital and so I text my mom and, and I was like I don't want her to be alone <laughs> like I don't want to be a baby but I was like I don't want her to feel alone up there and so for the first I think it was three days uh, or three nights um, my parents and then my brother um, actually um, stayed there with her and um, in the room and read books to her and um, you know they slept on and off but yeah they stayed with her for those three days and um, and then um, and then and then we had a couple of we uh, during the 10 days that we had with her we pretty much did every test we could possibly do to figure out if she could have a life or not um so the first test we did was a ekg and it just kind of scans like the brain waves if there's any kind of brain activity um and we saw two different neurologists um within the hospital and both of them said you know they came in and do their little tests and exams and um it's probably one of the most like i don't know how to describe it but like one of the most nerve-wracking things that you're watching because like for me like i knew that she was not feeling any pain like she was that complete was she was like like completely peace like she was so peaceful the whole 10 days that we had her she was so peaceful there wasn't like an inch of pain or anything but so these doctors come in and they have to do like 
all of like the testing and he has like a can't remember if it, it wasn't a needle but it was something pointy and he is like having to like kind of you know not super hard obviously but has to kind of like tap her foot and like her arm and I'm just like kind of like clenching like oh gosh you like don't like I can like I'm feeling that for her <laughs> like uh it can't be painful but I mean it's not painful to her but I was like ah oh. but at the same time I was like please cry like please please cry like please have a reaction um but she never did um and then we also did which um I guess is like one of the first successful MRIs done on a preemie infant. Um, they did do an MRI in the hospital. Um, and yeah, the doctors had said that they have never, they've kind of done MRIs on um, preemie infants, but none of them have really been successful. Um, and so the doctors in the hospital are saying that this is the first successful MRI or they weren't expecting it to work, but it did work. And it was one of the first successful MRIs ever done on a preemie baby. Um, and so, yeah, we could see, um, they showed us the scans and we could see all the way down to her brainstem. You could see that there was no, no activity <clears throat> and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, during this time, cause my, my sister and, um, my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is a doctor and my sister was a nurse. And so, um, which I am <laughs> unbelievably grateful for because yeah, this, sitting in the hospital at that time after having surgery, like I was in a decent amount of physical pain, um, let alone, um, emotional pain. And so, like, I couldn't, like, comprehend a lot of, like, what the doctors were saying. Like, I'm like, I, and so my sister and uh, my brother-in-law were able to ask all of the questions. Like, anything that I could have thought to ask, they asked. Um, and so that was, like, an unbelievable godsend at that point, because I just was not in, like, the headspace to have to, you know, do too much of that. I mean, I had to be included in those conversations and all that, obviously, but, um, uh, so yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we did the MRI and they were able to be there and look at everything with us or my sister and my brother-in-law and made sure that they were with us when anything major happened so that they could help explain everything to me and Paul and, um, and so, um, but then, you know, we hit a point, you know, Paul and I had the conversation of, you know, do we keep her? Because we did have the option to keep her hooked up to monitors. And, you know, basically that's how she would live her life was on monitors. And, <clears throat> uh, but the one thing um, is when she first was born for the first like week and a half or so for the first like seven days um, she was breathing pretty much normal air. So like the, the same oxygen that you and I breathe every day. Like she was on, even though she had the breathing tubes and she had to have help breathing, she was on the same, the same amount of oxygen and stuff. Uh, but then as we got closer to those 10 to the 10th day, little by little, they had to increase her oxygen because she wasn't breathing as well on her own. 
Um, and, um, and so Paul and I had the, you know, discussion of what we were going to do. And I knew in my heart that we could, that I couldn't keep her that way. Like I could not have my, you know, my child, you know, live like that. Um, it's not living. And, um, luckily Paul and I, like, thank God, quite honestly, we, <clears throat> we're on the same page with it and we knew that <clears throat> we would have to, you know, to take her off the monitors and um, we would let her pass on her own. Um, and uh, so we, after we decided that we had to pick a day of like, we, you know, what we wanted to do and um, we chose um, February the 25th, which was 10 days after she was born. Um, mainly because it was Sunday, and so we we're like, well, it's a Sunday, you know, it's, you know, neither of us are super religious, but, you know, it's like, well, it's, you know, it's God's day, and she'll, you know, go home, and uh, um, so ev pretty much everyone and their mother <laughs> was invited to come and see her in those 10 days, um, and we also got to hold her quite a bit. We pretty much, at that point, we're pretty much able to do whatever we wanted to do as far as um, stuff with her because nothing really was really going to hurt her. Um, so we were pretty much able to do whatever we were able to do. Um, so we got to hold her quite a bit. Um, we did do, and this was my favorite, <laughs> um, we got to do a lot of skin to skin time. Um, the first time that I got to do that with her, because um, within the first few days, like 24 hours after our C-section, like my milk came in and my body was doing everything that it was supposed to do when, you know, you have a baby. And, um, <clears throat> and I held her, uh, did the skin to skin and held her and, you know, like my milk is it's probably kind of gross, sorry, but was just like dripping. <laughs> like it just was yeah, it was like my body was just instantly responding to her, um, to her being there. And, uh, <clears throat> um, and then, and I remember just being like ridiculously cold. Like when I was done, Paul did some skin to skin time with her too. And it was like, she took like every ounce of warmth from my body. <laughs> like I was so cold afterwards like I could not get warm like I finally had to take like a hot shower um, in order to get warm <laughs> I was so so cold um, like one of the nurses came in and she's like oh my gosh you're like almost blue I was like I know because she just stole like all of my heat <laughs> uh, but yeah so that was probably one of the best moments of being in the hospital but then family came and uh, one of my good friends, I think you probably know her, um, Ellie Coons, um, came up to the hospital from, or came from Portland and <clears throat> to see us. And, um, and then we did do a baptism. Um, the chaplain that's in the hospital baptized her and like my cousin was there and um, my cousin and my other cousin and his wife were, came and um, and then we were also to do, also able to do um, through the hospital when situations like this happen. Um, there's a company in, C I think they're based in Seattle, 
Um, it's called Soulmation and they do, they're a nonprofit and they do photos and pictures for people who have, whether it's infants or, you know, preemie babies or whether it's kids who are sick, um, who are older and are sick, uh, but they offer free for photography sessions um, for people in these situations and um, <clears throat> And uh, so they did that for us. And so we had like a whole day of pictures and they're, they came out beautifully. Um, um, that was, yeah, it was amazing of them to do that for us. And, and then, um, and then on um, Sunday, the 25th, um, and we had told our family that our decision um, and they, we're all in agreement, and they were all okay with our decision and um but we did tell them that we wanted to do it alone like just paul and i and so um so <laughs> uh the 25th um we woke up and they started doing um taking all of our stuff off and shutting off our machines and all of that um and then we just held her <laughs> for the next couple hours it did take a while for her um to finally pass but um but yeah i mean it was it was weird because you don't really totally know but then all of a sudden you're like all right like we both like felt it in the instant that she was gone and then we were able to um, bathe her and um, all of that. And um, the nurse who, they have a nurse in the NICU who, that's her job. I can't even imagine having to be her, but that's what she does. She's a um, um, kind of a loss and infant loss and um like counselor, nurse, and it's like, gosh, I can't, and so she was there with us, like, every, not in the room while she passed or anything, but she was there with us, like, every step of the way, um, and, like, I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine having her job, like, that's just probably one of the most heart-wrenching jobs you could ever have, <laughs> um, and then, um, and then we left, uh, um, I can't even describe what leaving the hospital was like. <laughs> it was probably one of the most, it's like the hardest thing I'll ever have to do. Like Paul and I talk about it and it's like that, making the decision to take her off all the monitors and, you know, let her pass away was probably the hardest decision we'll ever have to make. But then to leave that hospital was probably the hardest thing we'll ever have to do. Because <laughs> you just like feel like you're, I just felt like for me anyways, like I felt like I was just leaving her behind. Mm -hmm. And then, um, <clears throat> yeah, I was just so empty. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we went home and it was the first time I'd been home and 15 days or something like that um 
Yeah. And what was, what was it like being home after that? Very weird. Cause we still, at this point, we hadn't bought our, we bought our house this last year. So we had, we were still in an, a two bedroom apartment and stuff. And so we had like a little snook tucked away that we were going to have like in our bedroom where were we going to have her <coughs> next to the bed next to me. And, um, and, uh, at that point, my mom, um, and I think Paul had gone through and pretty much m removed most of the baby stuff, uh, which was like night, which was very sweet. And like, um, like part of me is really glad that they did it, but like, especially in those moments, but part of me was kind of sad that they did it. Cause like, it's like, you kind of, kind of want those reminders in a way, like, like I won't like for the next couple of weeks, especially like after leaving the hospital, it was like part of me was like, was that a dream? Like, did all of this really happen? <clears throat> you know, and so like to have those little reminders in the house um, would have been I don't kept it more real, I guess if that makes sense. Um, but it did, it was a very empty feeling walking out walking into our house, and um, I mean the only good thing is that like I literally walked in because I have two cats and I had seen I hadn't been home and forever and every time Paul went home and he was like oh my gosh your cats are missing you so bad <laughs> so like I walked in and they both just like came running <clears throat> and like my cats aren't very lovey-dovey so for them to come running was like oh okay <laughs> but um yeah <clears throat> but yeah I was just a very empty feeling really to come home and have all everything be gone and the kids weren't home yet um they were staying with the kids stayed with um his mom for the most part um but they did also actually stay a couple of days at the hospital because the one thing the hospital did that was like amazing and like beyond um anything they could have done is because because we had like a ton of family that came to visit and my sister has two kids my brother has two kids and at the time both of my brother's kids were super young um, one of them was um, like less than a year and you know so it's super duper young and so to have them all crammed into our NICU room was just not super ideal and so when I got um, released from the hospital they actually let us keep the room that I was admitted to so that we were able to use that room for um, guests and so people didn't just have to sit in like the waiting room and things like that and with a bunch of kids <laughs> so yeah they let us keep that room and so Paul and the kids stayed in that room a couple of times in the hospital and um, I mean, I think I left the hospital twice in those like 10 days and only because my parents and Paul forced me to, <laughs> like I would have stayed in Rose's NICU room for the full 10 days if they hadn't forced me to leave. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it was good for me to get out and about, but, <laughs> but just, you know, to see that, oh yeah, the world is carrying on. <laughs> Yeah, but was that kind of like difficult too to see that the world was carrying on? It, I feel like that was. would be such a weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought I was very much in like a standstill. Um, like those, ten, it was like nothing around me was happening in those 10 days. It was just the hospital and her. And 
everything else was non-existent for the most part. <laughs> like, and yeah. so, yeah. So to like step out of the hospital is like, whoa, <laughs> like yeah. life is still moving, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> so yeah. Um, How long did it take you to like go back to work and, um, it it took me a long time actually. Um, I mean, I had obviously had to have the initial, like, I think it was like the six weeks or however many weeks for like post like recovery. Yeah. Um, but it actually took me a long time because, um, work was kind of a trick, a little bit of a trigger because when we had Rose, we were planning for me to just stay home. Mm-hmm. And so to have to go back to work was really heart wrenching. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it, I think I went back because um, we had her in February. I think I, and then we took a trip. My parents got us have a place in Palm Springs, California. And so we went down there for a week. And so I think after that, I went back like a couple of days a week um, until the kids were out of school. And then once the kids were out of school, I just went back like I worked they have a night shift and so I just worked a few evenings a week um but but yeah I mean and going back to work is so weird like it's one of the most weird and awkward because like it's like most I was fair and to this day quite honestly I don't know how many people really know yeah what happened like I know like the managers and like all of them know but as far as like just co-workers and stuff I don't know if how many really know like um, I remember this was a pro- this was like not that long ago but I was doing like a walking some dogs with one of the girls and she was like so kids like you have ki- you have your stepkids and then, or you have kids I was like yeah I have my stepkids and then um and then she's like but don't you and then she stopped herself and then she's like oh <laughs> and then she didn't really say anything and I was like well that was awkward <laughs> I was like, um, yes I do thank you <laughs> uh, so um yeah but <laughs> so yeah that was kind of awkward um but then I, I could imagine <laughs> yeah. just all the people around you I'm sure you know because like you were fully noticeably noticeably pregnant yeah like right there's gonna be questions you know exactly Um, it's hard it is hard but it was so weird to me that how so many so many people never said it just ignored it yeah yeah which makes it so awkward because I'm like I would even though I know it's hard like I would rather you ask questions like it's so much knowledge the situation even if I got yeah like even if I get a little bit emotional like I'm generally pretty good at controlling my emotions and stuff so I'm like (laughs) even if I get like a tidbit emotional like I would rather you ask a couple of questions or be uh, like, sure. hey, or like, you know, and there was really only one, one of the girl, I had two girls, one had left at this point, she w- moved to Arizona, but there was only two of my, my coworkers who even came to the hospital and all, none of the rest did, which was fine. Cause I mean, it is, it's a hard thing. Although mm-hmm. I will say I did have, I had two friends and or a friend and a coworker, um, or or like a former co-worker who was also both of them were pregnant like I think further or one of them was a couple weeks earlier than me and then no they were both a few weeks earlier than I was and they both came to the hospital that's pretty amazing because that's like like I was you know right yeah 
and the one of my friends she had a hard time actually getting pregnant because just a bunch of other stuff happened with for her but um so I was like oh my gosh you don't have to come like it's okay you know like this is not an easy thing to see but she did come and I was super grateful and like like and the one friend she's actually a NICU um, respiratory therapist and so she's like well I work anyways so I'll just you know pop in and see you and it's like okay <laughs> but yeah. um but yeah, so that was super amazing. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, then afterwards, you know, I mean, Paul and I did have a couple of discussions of, you know, whether, and I think I had, there was a, I don't remember what her name was, but one of your guests had said, mentioned something this is a while back, I think about how her husband was just hardcore. No, did not want to try again. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't know what to do. And I, and with Paul and I, like, and this was, like, right after the hospital and stuff, like, my hormones were off the charts, and, like, everything was, like, I was, I hit a point where I was, like, super obsessed about wanting to have another. I was, like, yeah, going, like, it's gonna happen. Like, I was super obsessed about it, and then, um, and so I asked him about it probably only about a month out of the hospital, and he was, like, no, I'm sorry, like, I don't want to do this again. And so, like, I was devastated, and but I also knew, like, in my heart that I just had to give him time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is still super fresh, you know, as upset as, upset as I was in the moment. I was like, I just have to give him time. And so, so we really didn't talk about it, quite honestly, for almost a year um, about trying to get, like, having another. And we actually, after all that, we um, got, like, a trip to Mexico, and it was actually in Mexico that we were talking about it. And I was like, so, and then we weren't, and at that point we were still, we weren't really preventing it <laughs> either. So I was like, well, obviously you're not that against it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> otherwise, you know, otherwise we would have had the discussion before, you know, so we, you know, I finally just asked him about it and he was like, yeah, he was like, obviously, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, we would be taking more precautions if I was super that against it. And then, and then he was, and then he was like, but we should have like two so that they can be close in age. And I was like, what? <laughs> <I do. laughs> like, I was just So that person is like, just give it time, like give it time, let the hormones yeah. and everything come down to so yeah. earth and um, whatnot. <clears throat> but well, um, <laughs> Well, I was actually just going to ask you, I feel like you just gave a piece of advice, but if you have one piece of advice for somebody going through something similar, what would it be? Um, just to, I mean, grieve however you have to grieve and then, um, you know, and let things, you know, because like, yeah, like out of the hospital, I was just like insanely hormonal and, and it took a long time for those hormones to come back down to earth. And, um, and then finally my obsession subsided and <laughs> we were better. So I was like, just grieve however you need to grieve and um, whatever that looks like, whether it's, you know, counseling and all that stuff. Like for me, one of the things that I love to do is like being a big animal person and nature person like if I see like a bald eagle or like um for rose we have uh for signs yeah I look for signs everywhere and like we have a we did do a little life ceremony thing for her and um after 
um, at the cemetery in Tacoma and um, I was at her stone one day just by myself and um, I like leaned down and this little like ladybug came and like landed on my hand <laughs> and so I was like oh you know like look for those little signs and stuff of them like being there for you because they are there for you and they're watching mm-hmm. and you know I totally believe that um, but I do actually have a like a more recent story too <laughs> Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> uh, so, because um, I do, uh, back in, uh, so we got, Paul and I got married in August, or we bought a house in June, got married in August, and then um, in the end of August, beginning of September, I found out that I was pregnant again. Um and, you know, it's instant, like, excitement, followed by absolute fear. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and the f- super weird, and I was only, I was, like, weeks, if that, when I found out that I was pregnant, like, maybe a couple of weeks. And, like, from, like, almost immediately finding out, like, I f- could feel, like, was out of the hospital with Rose, like, I would feel, like, what I call phantom kicks. Like, mm-hmm. I could almost feel, like, being kicked and stuff. And I felt that almost immediately when I got pregnant again. It was so weird. I was like, there's no way I'm, like, actually feeling this baby move. There's just no possible. It's just not possible. But um, but I was like, but I, like, but I would feel, like, little bumps and, like, moves. And I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, and, but, um, then it, uh, and the weird thing with my doctor's office, and I'm going to, I'm, I have an appointment actually in a couple of days, uh, but, um, is I had to do like another, like, um, like intake appointment for this pregnancy. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Like I'm already a patient and I've been here like since, my preg- my first pregnancy and stuff. So I'm like, that's just kind of odd, but whatever. <laughs> but so like, how did you like an intake appointment? And then we had my ultrasound at nine weeks. And, um, and I knew from the beginning of this pregnancy that I wasn't going to feel like probably super connected until I felt that heartbeat. Cause I just wasn't going to be comp. I just was not going to feel very confident in it. And, um, well, we never got to hear that heartbeat. <laughs> Um, she, uh, did the nine week apart appointment and it was the most painful ultrasound I've ever had done. Like it was really painful. <laughs> um, she did, cause I went in and she did, looked on top and didn't see anything. And so she did the internal ultrasound or had me go to the bathroom and then, um, came back and did the internal ultrasound and I told Paul when I came back in for the internal exam and I was like this there's something wrong I was like she's not seeing something I pretty much can get he's like no you don't know that I was like every single time I've had to have an internal exam there's been something wrong (laughs) like I just feel like there's this there's something wrong and you always know like like you hear all the time on your podcast you always know and um so and she was just like pushing like super duper hard and like trying to move things around and I was like oh my gosh like this is so this just is really uncomfortable um and then finally she was done and um 
went to uh, another room where my doctor came in a little while later and she said that baby was measuring about on track, um, but there was no heartbeat. And, um, but she's like, there is a slight possibility. She's like, I'm not super hopeful, but she said there is a small slim chance that she would, that you're just too early to see the heartbeat. And now I kind of see that as not necessarily true just with all the stories. But I mean, I guess you never, you never know. I shouldn't say that I mean you never you really never know and so it's like okay so she was like come back next week and we'll do another ultrasound and see you know confirm or deny things or whatever and so you know I had to go the next 10 days um wondering <laughs> and um then we went back the 10 days later and there was still no heartbeat and so then the next day um we had a DNC um and since then um that was the dnc was just before halloween i think it was like october 27th or something like that it was a thursday i remember that <laughs> uh, but it was the end of october and um so now i'm just like more so than like with rose now i'm just like full of questions you know, whereas like with Rose, like it was such a fluke thing that happened that like I didn't have a lot of, well, what's what's wrong with me? Questions like there, yeah, they were, like they were there for sure. Like don't get me wrong, I did have, have those questions, but they weren't as like prominent because it did seem like such a fluke. Mm -hmm. uh, but this time I'm like, well, maybe there is, because the one, one thing that I haven't mentioned yet is like in Feb, the February, the previous February to February of 2019 in between, um, I had, um, cause I have like, and it's happened on and off for years where I just get like super sharp pains on like my right side and they're like the same, like same area of like your uterus of like where you would have cramps and stuff, but it's a completely different kind of pain that I have when I actually have cramps from like my period and stuff. And so it's a totally different kind of pain. And so um, I went in and they had seen, found like a cyst on my uterus and, but she said it was, they did a biopsy and all that and it was benign and everything. So I'm like, well, that's good. Uh, but then, but now I'm like, especially because like I listened to your podcast after Rose a little bit, but I didn't find myself super relating to everything. And so like, because everybody is so most of the stories are so much earlier on I have seen now like now that I've listened to your podcast like, like a whole lot more like I've seen more stories that are more relatable for me but um at the time I was like oh there's just not a ton and then and then when I found out that I was uh, we didn't have the heartbeat like I literally started listening like almost religiously almost because I was like well I want to know what like if I'm gonna have a DNC or if I'm not gonna have a DNC if I'm gonna do these things I want to know what what's gonna happen like I want to know like and it's easier to like know that like from people's experiences than to like google it sometimes yeah. so uh so then I just started listening like religiously and then I like you know you hear people saying oh well, you know the baby I had you know got pregnant and then the baby or the embryo tried to implant like on like this cyst or something that I had and then that's why we miscarried and so then you know so I'm like well what if that's what happened or you know but so, um, but then when I went out, went back for my, um, post-op appointment at like four weeks or whatever. And, and I was super disappointed because I went into this DNC thinking that we were going to be doing a lot of testing, like 
that was part of why we opted to go the DNC route. Um, <clears throat> and they didn't. <laughs> she said all they did, the only thing that they were concerned about was if it was a molar pregnancy or not. And it wasn't. Um, so like, but I thought, like, I just swore. Like, yeah, you're like, going in here that we were yeah. going to do like others. I mean, we didn't need to go like super crazy or anything, but I wanted, I thought we were going to do at least some initial testing. And so I was like, that's really disappointing. <laughs> Um, so, uh, and my, my family, or at least like my mom and even my brother, which is super random, but are like, you need to get another doctor. <laughs> so I have one more appointment in a couple of days to kind of <laughs> ask some more questions. And then depending on what they, what she has to say, and if I like it or not, then I might, um, research into another doctor. Um, there's just not a ton of. Um, like OBs and stuff in my area. So that's super inconvenient. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah. So, oh, goodness. So, what I know, how did your emotions differ between like your nine week and obviously your more full term? <laughs> um, pretty, pretty significant difference in my opinion. Yeah. Like, um, was it more like what the hell is wrong yes, than like yes. a yes where like what, grieving yeah 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 okay absolutely like with yeah with Rose there was uh, tons of grieving and all of that but then but this one yeah it was more like well what the hell like now I want to know what the heck is like what is wrong with me or whatever that this is like happening like you know mm -hmm. so yeah it just opened more a bunch of questions and yeah then um having like grieving a whole lot but um I will say like because my because like all of my cousins and stuff have all like had babies like recently and so like the holidays this year were really rough <laughs> yeah and, like I I didn't actually go to like my main Christmas stuff this year because I was like I just can't I can't be around all the babies and like crying babies mm -hmm. is like a huge trigger of mine um, it's not as bad as it used to be, but, um, like I remember being out of the hospital and I think like Paul was asleep and we were watching like Game of Thrones and it was like some episode, one of those, I don't know if you've ever watched Game of Thrones or not, but like episode where like they left like this baby in the middle of nowhere by itself and it's just crying and I'm just like laying there in bed just like bawling because this baby's crying <laughs> so like crying babies was a really big trigger for me for a really long time because um, that's all like I wanted to hear in the yeah. hospital was like her crying like that's all like it's not what people want to hear but that's all I wanted to hear <laughs> mm -hmm. for sure so. <clears throat> uh well it's got to be scary moving forward so you'll have to yeah. keep me posted and I'm here if you need anything let me know how your appointment goes coming up and yeah I will <laughs> doctor hop yeah. if you have to there's no shame in that other than I, I mean I know it's hard because you don't have a whole lot in your area but sometimes it's good to just get a fresh pair of eyes right. on everything too yeah um, yeah but I, I always tell people I'm like because for some reason there's like this guilt in doctor hopping <laughs> like at least yeah, I felt like, oh. it but it's like no just do it if you have to 
<laughs> no, yeah, I felt, I've felt that way a little bit too, because I did have one doctor, like, because my, my doctor's office in particular has like 10 doctors or yeah. something, but I was seeing like one for a while and I was like, well, now I feel kind of guilty because I'm seeing somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Like you're like, wait, are they going to think that I'm blaming them or like, what yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. like I'm sorry, but <laughs> you feel yeah. like you're cheating. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's kind of like yeah. switching hairstylists, but a lot more intense, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, okay. If somebody wants to reach out to you, where can they do so? Um, I mean, Instagram or Facebook is okay. good. Um, it's just the mama to Rose with one M. <laughs> okay. So I will go ahead and I'll link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for jumping on and sharing yeah. your story. We really appreciate it. It means yeah. a lot. It's going to help so many people, especially like your story is definitely, like you said, you've heard a couple other stories now on the podcast, but it is, it's less likely than, yeah, you know, an earlier miscarriage. And I yeah. think it's so important even to get like, those stories out there because those exactly. are, like, even you know, the stillborns, you know, even the stillborn stories, I mean, nobody gets the opportunity and I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse really, but to have those yeah. days, you know, like, um, nobody, yeah. Because I knew a girl that I worked with a number of years ago who had a stillborn at like 37 weeks or something. And Mm -hmm. so, but she, you know, was, they didn't, you know, they had a couple hours with her and then that was it. Yeah. 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 It's, gosh, it's just crazy to me how, like... I don't, like you said, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse too, that I'm not naive to any of this anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, there's yeah. just so much loss that can be had and it's just so scary, but we really appreciate you jumping on, sharing your story and spreading awareness and making people feel less alone. It's extremely important. And yeah, yeah we just really appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, keep me posted <laughs> on your appointment and I will we'll talk soon. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest, so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. Just